Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, we've got a great night tonight. I've asked two of our younger generation to come and speak. We've got Brody Kashmi and Dan Zier. Both of them are life group leaders. Do you know what a life group leader is? A life group leader is a discipler. They gather people into their home and they help them in their walk with faith, their, walk, their journey of faith. And they both lead great life groups. They also have positioned themselves well. All their years, they've positioned themselves well, even when they've gone through hard times, even Dan having Mark and I as parents. He's hung in there, praise the Lord. But um, I love both of them. They've positioned themselves well. They've got great humility in their lives. They've both got great futures. And so Brody's interesting. They've, they're kind of different because Brody has had no baton of faith passed on to her from her parents. She's done a journey, um, a difficult journey. It's difficult when you've got no family and you're the first one making a commitment to Christ, whereas Dan's had Mark, Zare and I, and that's had its own challenges, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, thank you, Brody. Brody's coming up first. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, Roz. Um, So going off that introduction, I actually want to talk to you tonight about being a second generation Christian. Um, I just think I heard someone say, ooh. (laughs) Um, Dan, can you pass my water up? Thanks. Um, So you did hear a little bit of my history then. I am a first generation Christian. I became one when I was 17. And um, a lot of people know this, but just for a little bit of context of what I'm going to talk about, I lost both of my parents when I was 19. Uh, in the space of a month. So my mum died in a car accident and then my dad abandoned our family a few weeks later. And so I've actually spent pretty much my whole adult life with no parents. Um, And while I don't choose my circumstances, I do choose um, how I respond to them. And I can tell you that I've never, ever had an identity of an orphan. Um, I know that I am a loved daughter in this house and The reason I'm still standing here today is because I've been a second generation Christian. So I want to talk to you tonight about the importance of having spiritual parents. Um, But first I want to say this, having good friends isn't enough. So I'm really intentional about my friendships. Uh, When I was in year 11, I made a decision that I would either have good friends or no friends. And that (laughs) might sound a little bit extreme, but when you're an introvert and you've only got a capacity for three friends, there's (laughs) not enough buffer to have bad ones. And so I have got really, really, really good friends. I've got friends, my best friends have been my friends for 15 to 20 years, and um, they've been strong friendships and they're strong Christians. But even then, they're not the reason that I've got through everything I've gone through. My friends could not walk me through my 20s because they were walking it themselves. Um, They don't have a mother's and father's heart for me and they can't raise me up. So we need a generation above us. And having no parents does make you realise how much you need them. Um, But we do need spiritual parents just as much. And I don't have spiritual parents because I don't have parents. I already had spiritual parents pretty much from the day I walked into this church. And they have remained with me the whole way through. So being a second-generation Christian isn't so much about who your parents are. It's about understanding that you've been designed to be raised up by a previous generation. 
And it's about valuing and honouring the God-given authority, responsibility and wisdom of that previous generation to guide you and teach you. Generational Christians are those who foster rich and meaningful relationships with an older generation because they understand the mandate on them to raise up the next generation. Now, I've heard a lot of people in our generation talk about how they want mentors. So there is a desire um, for a relationship with the older generation. And mentors are not bad. Um, Mentors are people who have strengths in areas we want to grow in. I launched a business this year. I'm about to launch a second one. And I don't know anything about business. And so this is an area of my life where I could do with a mentor. And I'm taking, taking them on if anyone wants to be my mentor. But me- mentors are great, but they're not spiritual parents. A mentor helps you to become more like them, whereas a spiritual parent helps you become more like you. They draw out and call what God has placed on you. Mentors are for a specific time and season, but spiritual parents are for any season. Being a parent is a significant sacrifice, and I've got some amazing spiritual parents who have sacrificed a lot for me, and I want to honour them tonight. I think only two of them are here. I can't, can't see anyone really, but I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that the rest are here. So my spiritual parents, I've, I've had a lot of people who've had a father or mother heart for me, but the people who've walked me through have been the Zares, um, the Sherwoods and the Goulets. And I want to just teach, or not teach, just tell you three things that they've done for me. And if I can get a clock, because I haven't gone through this, I don't know how long I've got left. Oh, is that why I can't see anything? Oh, this is the second time power's gone out when I've been speaking. (laughs) Is there a lightning strike again? (laughs) Okay, so this is what my spiritual parents have done for me. And it's okay if you feel a little bit jealous, because they're awesome. (laughs) So the first thing that they've done is they've treated me like their own child. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God sets a solitary in family. And there is a New Testament precedent for spiritual parents. Um, Paul was a spiritual parent. In Timothy and Titus, he, when he writes to them, he addresses them and he says, because of our faith, you are like a son to me. And I've got spiritual parents who have treated me not like a son, but a daughter. They have given me jobs. They have taken me to Hillsong Conference and invited me on their family holidays. They've slipped, and one, one of the person who does this is in the room tonight, $50 notes into my hand and said, buy something you like. They've let me live with them. Um, I've lived with the Sherwoods three times. They're also the people I go to in the big moments in my life. They're the people I went to when I wanted advice about whether I should get engaged. Spoiler alert, I didn't. Um, <laughs> or when I needed wisdom as to whether or not I should leave my job. And they're the people I ran to when I had a freak out thinking I was going to lose my foot because I had a wound that turned into gangrene. There should be a photo that comes up on the screen. I'm just kidding, there's not. But I do have one in my phone if you want to see it. It's not as bad as it looks on the internet. But they do have to scrape it out with a spoon, which is kind of gross. (laughs) Um... The second thing that they've done is they have corrected and disciplined me. Roz is really honest with me. She says the things to me that no one else has the guts to. And she tells me the things I need to hear, even if I don't want to. She's done this through our relationship, not through sermons. She's been the one who's helped me build my character. She's the one who told me not to be a victim. She's the one who's helped me watch over my heart and process pain well. 
She spurred me on to forgive, to bless those who curse me, and to keep a sweet spirit. And the reason that I know how to walk through fire without the smell of smoke coming out with me is because of Roz. The last thing is that they've spoken into me. These people have spoken into my identity. They're the people who have told me who I am. They're the people who celebrate my quirks. Um, They're the people when my future has felt hopeless, have had a word in season and have spoken purpose and a calling of God over my life. And they're the people who have nurtured and protected this calling. In my phone, I have a folder. um, It's called Words from God. And they're ones that I've got for myself, my own revelations and ones people have spoken over me. And I've got this one note that's got the most significant ones. And the people who have spoken those over me are Roz, Ralph and Mark. So... If I haven't already convinced you why you should have spiritual parents, the other reason is that throughout history, God has moved, um, the way God has moved has been through the raising up of one generation to the next. He is a God of generations. We see this in the Trinity. We see it throughout the Old Testament where he built a nation from a family. We see it in the genealogies and we've seen it the last 2,000 years as he's built his church. Psalm 145 verse 4, which should actually come up on the screen, says... Each generation will announce to the next your wonderful and powerful deeds. So don't be a spiritual orphan. There are spiritual orphans running around. Our culture right now creates them. C.S. Lewis calls this chronological snobbery. It's the idea that humans are advancing so much that actually the current generation is the most intelligent and the one that's got the most accurate grasp on truth. But that is not how God works. Instead of valuing previous generations, they critique them and they cut off They cut themselves off from their wisdom. And when we do this, we become spiritual orphans who are raised up by our own generation. When it comes to things of God, I trust previous generations a lot more than my own. No offence. In a world of podcasts and TikTok evangelists, you need to be careful who is raising you up. So how do you find spiritual parents? Well, I've got good news for you. We are in a multi-generational church. Ivan's already spoken about that tonight. We have a really healthy representation across every generation. I have seen the statistics. (laughs) And the DNA of our church is to raise up the next generation. I did not have to ask for spiritual parents. They just did it. But you have to position yourself to be raised up. And you have to position yourself to be a family member in this church. How can you do that? Go to Mac Women's and Men's Events, whichever whichever gender you are, though. Go to Bible college. Join a life group with an older leader. Go to a morning service. I get it. The 5 p.m., it's a vibe. But the 8 a.m., there's a lot of grey hair there, and I love being in that service. And, and I'm probably one of the youngest. But, you know, James, like, James is sitting here right now in a row of his generation, but he was at the 10 a.m. this morning, I think on his own, surrounded by older people. And that is a great way to position yourself. If you've got pe- friends whose parents are Christians, get to know the parents. Go to generational church events and serve on a multi-generational team. The Working Bee is a great place to meet old people. Older people. (laughs) And finally, I want to finish with this. Psalm 78 verse 5 to 7 says, God gave his law to Jacob's descendants, the people of Israel. And he told our ancestors to teach their children so that each new generation would know his law and tell it to the next. God is going to raise up the next generation through a generation who were raised up by the previous generation. God has and always will move through generational Christians. 
He uses second generation Christians because he wants the next generation to be raised up to be generational as well. If we cut ourselves off from the generation above, we cut ourselves off from kingdom influence for the next generation. First generations may be able to influence wide across their own generation, but God is looking for those who will position themselves to influence the next. Now I'd like to invite someone who has loaned me his parents for a very long time, but also someone who I deeply respect and someone I do call a friend. We've had lots of adventures together over the years, including a random, uh, what do you call it? Whitewater rafting trip through the jungle. It was fun. I've come down. Thanks, Broads. I actually had a gangrene photo to show everyone as well. <laughs> I'll take my shoe off and you might be able to still see the remnants. And <laughs> I'm only joking, everyone. But thanks, Broads. Um, you're my sister and I love you. I absolutely love you. So, um, James, brother, I saw you this morning as well. But um, I've got a word for you, my friend. Uh, there is a steadfastness on you. And I see you not only just being a son of this church, but actually already starting to step into a fatherly role. Now, that doesn't mean the fatherly role as in your own children, but actually starting to have an influence already on younger people. And I think the leadership that is on you, you are potentially going to become a great elder in this church one day. Uh, I really see that on you. And Sam Clark, that Mo, where are you, brother? Where is he? Oh, look like you just escaped from prison up there, mate. <laughs> Can we do a criminal check on this guy? <laughs> no, mate, but I love seeing you on stage. You bring life, you bring lightness, and um, I see you just continually, continually leading in the future as well, a, a creative, in the creative space in this church too, mate. So love you, mate. All right, I've literally just got one point to share with you tonight. And it's this, in the DNA of wisdom is fatherhood. In the DNA of wisdom is fatherhood. And in Deuteronomy 34 verse 9, throughout this enlarged season, we've been looking a little bit at the life of Joshua. And Deuteronomy 34 verse 9, it says this, Now Joshua, son of Nun, straight away it mentions generations, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Let me read it again. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. And so tonight, I want to have a look at this scripture and the link with our topic of generations. When you read that scripture, it might not seem like there's much there. But I just want to break it apart for a couple of minutes and show you how this relates to my one point. In the DNA of wisdom is fatherhood. Now, there are two fathers mentioned in this scripture. None, Joshua's physical father, but then Moses. Now, fatherhood. 
Growing up in a healthy church, Macquarie, I got to be a son and I received fathering for my biological father. But I received spiritual fathering in this place from many dads here. And I have to say one of the privileges of my life has been a son in this church. Just being a son. And our church does spiritual fathering really well. And Brody highlighted that so well through your message. Now, <clears throat> as a son, I've been a bit of a rat bag at times. I remember even getting a bit of a spanking out on the steps of the old church. And that's why I still walk like this. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. But I did get receive a bit of a spanking. I've received <clears throat> scoldings from numerous people. I, uh, Sharon Faith caught me stealing ice blocks one time from the church uh, fridge. Not as bad as Brett Bush, though, mind you. He's got a worse criminal record than me stealing multiple cans of Coke. Robin O'Brien will testify that we had to lock the fridge to keep that boy out. <laughs> but back to this scripture. The scripture says Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom. How? Well, it was through spiritual impartation. Moses' fathering right there. And so do you want wisdom? Do you want wisdom? Do you want to walk with the wise? Well, it can be found in fathering. Fathering really does wear off on you as a son and a daughter. And it's like when you're at school and you had to mix pencil shavings. You get two colors and you'd use your fingers and mix it in. And fathering's a bit like that. It will. It will roll off. It will roll onto you. It will mix into your blood. Um, just a quick list of fathering qualities that have had a real influence on me being a son. Identity, sacrifice. I've learned about my calling in this place. I've learned how to draw boundaries. I've learned how to have grace for people, the security and love. But the most, one of the most amazing things about receiving spiritual fathering is the empowerment, is the actual empowerment. Because when you get asked not just to do something, but to be invited along on the journey where you're allowed to make mistakes, where you're allowed to learn, where you're allowed to show your weakness, when you get invited to, on to do that, you feel empowered. You feel like, actually, I feel safe in this place. And so often we see Moses invite Joshua along. Prior to Joshua being positioned into a leadership in a place of influence, we see Moses inviting him along on that journey. And this church does that really well. A spiritual father can help you develop patterns, healthy habits, because it's the daily patterns and it's the daily choices that so often make the biggest difference in your life and shape your future. You learn that from spiritual fathers. You learn that from fathers, how to make good daily choices, how to make spiritual disciplines, how to make those healthy habits. You get that from fathers. And it was the spiritual fathers of this church that have modelled that so much to me. Great fathering is great modelling. 
And when you study the life of Joshua, you pick up on some of the patterns he developed through the fathering he received. You see, Joshua's journey was full of these little patterns and these healthy habits. He loved the presence of God. You see him always wanting to be drawn back to the presence of God. You see his devotion, his personal devotion, his love for people, his ability to lead with confidence and courage based on who his God was. You see that he's not willing to turn a blind eye, to take and absorb any kind of, um, what's that word called when you're willing to take on or... Not a weakness. Anyway, I can't think of the word right now. It might come to me later. And it's amazing that he develops these healthy, healthy habits. And part of that is from what was modeled to him through Moses. Last thing I just want to talk about. In this scripture that I read out before, it says this. So the Israelites listened to him, talking about Joshua, and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. And I was quite taken aback when I read this passage. Why does it not say that the Israelites listened to him and did what Joshua said? Why does it not say that? Because in this passage, in this passage Moses has just died. He's gone. He's, he's dead. <laughs> Poor old Moses. However, it says the Israelites listened to him, listened to Joshua, And did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Why? You feel like saying, Israel, Israel, you're living in the past. Don't worry about Moses. Just follow Joshua. Get on with what he's telling you to do. But this is a new generation of Israelites. They've learned from their forefathers' mistakes. The ones that didn't get to enter the promised land. They've learned from them. The desert dwellers. And one of the cultural shifts that you see taking place in this new generation of Israelites is this spirit of honouring. Now, you honour the Word of God through the person, not the person through the tradition. And so Israel have learned that they need to honour Moses because Moses, when he gave them the command to enter the promised land, that was directly from their heavenly father. And so they knew they had to honour that. But they knew they didn't have to honour the traditions of their forefathers. All that baggage and the slavery they had to throw off. And so that's what it came down to for them. Honouring previous generations. And so listen to these just quick couple of points on honouring. Honouring the previous generations enables you to sit on their shoulders. But here's the thing. When we sit on the previous generation's shoulders, they can get tired after a while. (laughs) They can get tired after a while. And if you've been to a festival or a concert and you've ever sat on someone's shoulders, (laughs) you know that the person sitting under you, their shoulders are going to get sore after a while, yeah? They're going to get pretty tired. And so the person underneath supporting your weight is going to get pretty wearisome from this. And then that's where we have to have grace for them. We have to have grace for our fathers. And those Israelites, they had to have grace for their forefathers. 
they had to have grace for Moses, even though Moses made some mistakes. So in this passage, we're seeing Israel Israel honouring what Moses had told them to do. Honouring Moses' command. So as I close, I just want to ask you this question. Is there something you need to have grace for, for one of your fathers? It might be a physical father. It might be your dad, but it might be a spiritual father. Is there something that you need to look at deep within you and go, wow, there's something I haven't forgiven my dad for? Because here's the thing. Having grace for your father is actually having grace for yourself. Because you are the son and you are the daughter and you carry their name, you carry their DNA. And by having grace to a father, you are modelling to someone else to have grace for you because you are going to make mistakes. You are going to make wrong, you're going to have wrongdoings. You are going to have things in your life that are incorrect. And so by forgiving a father and having grace for them when they've been tired, when they've said something to you, when they've done something that has hurt you, by having grace for them, you are modeling that to someone else. It might be even your own son and your daughter, or it might be someone else in your world, and they think, wow, how are they able to forgive that father, that spiritual dad? How are they able to forgive them for that? And so as you just close your eyes, I'm just going to give you one moment right now. I believe the Holy Spirit is actually going to speak to you about something that you need to forgive a dad for, a father for, a spiritual dad maybe. Maybe even someone, a dad in this house that was trying, was just trying, and they were doing what was modelled to them. Because you see, often fathers don't always have the best models. You can see you only have to look at the brokenness in our world to see that there is such a need for quality and healthy fathers. But we've got to have grace to our dads. They get tired, they get fatigued. They make mistakes. And so right now, I'm just going to believe that the Holy Spirit will actually speak to you or show you something that you need to forgive your Father for. Holy Spirit, right now we're sorry. We're sorry for holding on to those things where we've drawn up. We've held up a wall to our dads. We're sorry, Father, for holding a grudge because they've let us down. We're sorry, Holy Spirit, for not having grace to them. And so right now, we choose to believe what Joshua did and what the Israelites, what that next generation of Israelites did, that now generation of Israelites. They actually were able to still honour Moses. They were able to honour and have grace. And so, Holy Spirit, we step into that. We step into that. And Lord Jesus, we ask you, Father, to come in, to come into that space. There's pain, there's bitterness, there's anger, there's hurt. But we surrender that to the feet of Jesus. We surrender it to the feet of Jesus. And part of enlarging, part of enlarging is having grace for our fathers. Being a good, being a good son 
will help you become a good father. And so, Holy Spirit, Jesus, we declare, we declare grace, we declare freedom, we declare life, we declare love, we declare healing, we declare your goodness. Father Jesus, thank you, thank you that you are our ultimate Father and you can fill any gap, any, any single gap in your mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit mccroylifechurch.com.au.